This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hello everyone, it's Rob here, and we're going to do a quick little edit before the show officially gets underway to explain to you what you are getting ready to hear. I have this, have, I had this really cool idea for the 100th episode of the show. You are currently getting ready to hear episode 93, and I've been doing the little countdown to episode 100. My wife thinks that's funny, you're counting down up to 100, but... I digress. I had this cool idea for the 100th episode that I was going to invite seven podcasters that I have had on the show previously or some that have never been on the show to get at the everyone part of Everyone Loves the Drake. I thought it'd be cool to talk to everyone. Well, I can't talk to everyone, so I picked seven everyones. And the original idea for the 100th episode was to talk to these seven individuals that I thought was going to be between 10 to 15, maybe 20 minutes at max and ask a series of questions and compile all these in a nice, you know, decent size, 100th episode, a a celebratory episode for the show to get at the everyone angle of the podcast. And then as Michael Bailey likes to point out, when I said I made plans and then things changed or life, uh, happens and then things change when you try and make plans. I think I botched that, but you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, Life is when you make plans. Anyway, so something happened that I really wasn't expecting. I thought I would have a series of questions that I would ask all the individuals and then I'll compile them into the show. Well, the voice, the first voice you're going to hear other than Terrence and I'll get into that in just a second will be Donovan Morgan Grant. And I kind of went through what the 100th episode was going to be. And as we started talking, I was noticing the counter on the record clock start going. I thought, wow, we're at a half hour, Eh, 30 minutes and so bad. And then we hit 40 minutes. By the time we were done, we were at like 55, 56 minutes. And I thought, that's a show. You know, Seinfeld, that's the show. And I thought, well, I guess I could cut some of these down and pick some of my favorite bits and then put them in. But I thought, well, I have this really cool conversation with Donovan. Well, we'll see what the next one happens. And then I interviewed the next person. And that was almost an hour. And then I interviewed the next person. And that was almost an hour. So what was initially going to be Terrence and Ryan and I just continuing to go through the Robin books until we get to the 100th episode, this cool thing happened to fall in my lap that I didn't plan for that you are going to get to hear are seven really interesting and cool conversations. I think so with some individuals I've never had the pleasure of speaking with before, or some that they've been recurring guests on the show where they get to talk about why they love 
Tim Drake. How did they first come into contact with Tim Drake? So all of my questions that you'll hear me ask, you will we'll hear the same questions get asked over these seven episodes. I think I change a couple up here or there depending on who the guest is, but the majority of the questions are the same. But as you know, with anything, if you ask you know, five people in the room, a yes or no question, you could get 12 answers. And that is what is so cool about these upcoming episodes. And I thought, what a cool way to really celebrate the everyone of Everyone Loves a Drake. And every one of these individuals has their own unique take on what made it click with Tim Drake for them, why he is their favorite Robin, or just their experience with the character. It doesn't matter the type of questions that I'm asking. The answers are different for each individual. And that is the really cool thing about this, that I think these seven episodes leading up to 100 may be greater than the actual 100th episode, which is make Terrence and Ryan and I go, hey, you know that idea I had for episode 100? Well, that's kind of gone, and I need a new 100th episode. So between now and August-ish, if everything goes according to two episodes a month, and we'll see how the summer goes. But by the time we reach the 100th episode, you will have heard seven individuals speak on why they love Tim Drake. So the first part you're going to get to hear is Terrence and I had actually recorded a proper 93rd episode and I started counting okay how many episodes do I have between you know 92 and you know 100 and I went oh crap I have seven I just invited seven individuals to be part of the 100th but all of these episodes are going to or all these guests are going to turn into their own individual episodes which means episode 93 is now going to become episode 101 but the discussion and intro that Terrence and I had into episode 93 is going to seem way out of date if you hear this in, you know, late August, early September, because it's talking about everything going on with Tom King and uh, my trip to Motor City Comic Con and all that. It's going to seem really outdated. So this will be the only episode to feature a news topic, if you will, between Terrence and I. So I'm putting this at the beginning of Donovan's interview and not to just not to make the episode longer, but just because we recorded this really cool conversation with Terrence and I that I wanted you guys to be able to hear. So this is Terrence and I getting ready to talk about Robin 23 and 24, but you're not going to hear that discussion <laughs> until late August, early September. So I want to give you a little preface before the episode starts. Um, I'm going to try and edit out the part where I say, hey, next is going to be blah, 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 you know, whatever uh, book it was we're going to talk about. So you'll hear Terrence and I's normal intro banter that we do uh, on the show before we get to our topic. And then the interview for Donovan will be afterwards. Um, Normally, I wouldn't say like, if you don't want to hear the whole entire thing of Terrence and I, you could probably push fast forward and hear Donovan. But uh I know most of you will listen to the whole episode all the way through. So here is episode 93 of the show. And from here on out, this is why everyone, the everyone part is they are going to tell you why they love the Drake. Okay, let's get into the episode. 
You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. everyone and welcome to Robin Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third boy to wear the mantle of Robin, Tim Drake. We will follow his journey in the pages of the 90s 2000 ongoing Robin series and other notable comics of that era. We will also take a look at other Tim Drake appearances in DC Comics new and old to find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. Welcome to episode 93. The show, of course, like you heard with the bumpers, brought to you, bought to you. See, it's been so long. Brought sound like to a you. New Yorker. Yo, what's going <laughs> really, to you, what's you? by <laughs> Tony's Deli, yo. Tony's Deli. The they make re- <laughs> slice of meat around. Yeah, yeah, it's just like your mama's. So <laughs> Vito's Pizza. Go in and grab yourself a slice. Yeah. And- Tell him Uncle Vinny said hello. <laughs> and uh, Vito's Pizza was my favorite pizza place growing up in New York. But yeah, oh, for anyone uh, who lived near uh, Mount Sinai and Corum, it was good stuff. Yeah, you know, I've always heard uh, that mentioned in like TV shows. I thought, oh, that's probably not a, a real thing. So that's evidence that you know uh, that that was a, a real thing. Yeah, but. Uh, other than Vito's Pizza, this is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Uh, you can go check out the Batman Universe for a whole host of other podcasts, uh, shows on Batgirl, Batfans, um, Bat Books for Beginners, and a bunch of reviews on TBU. So go check them out. And there's Patreon pages over there. So you can give a little uh, coinage to uh, TBU. That would be great. And we're also partnering with Batman on Film with their podcast network, BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. You can get a hold of us on all the social media outlets Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search Everyone Loves a Drake and you'll find us. You can email into the show at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. And you can also find us on YouTube. You've already heard his voice. It's been a little bit. Uh, we left him behind when uh, Ryan came to Ohio and uh, to speak at Bowling Green. So now we're going to catch back up with Terrence. Terrence, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. I was, I was very envious of your situation. Not jealous, because I'm happy for you guys. And it sounded like it was a, a great experience, but kind of envious. But I've had a, a lot going on. You know, My oldest stepdaughter is getting ready to graduate high school. My youngest stepdaughter is yeah. getting ready to finish middle school. We've got graduation stuff. We've got college stuff. It's It's been crazy, but it's been fun. But uh, yeah, you guys, sounds like you had a great time. Plus, then you just send me these fo- random photos of just you hanging out with Jim Lee. Like, yeah, yeah. just me and Jim Lee. I was like, oh, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. A Depending on when you're listening to this, this is uh, Memorial Day weekend. It's uh, the 26th of May. Uh, the previous weekend, I got to attend Motor City Comic Con. And uh, that was something that I had been wanting to do. Um, it's be the second year that I've been there, but it's been two years since I've been there. Uh, it's a really nice convention. And the guest list, like with most conventions, they start, you know, 
having a, a very early preliminary list. And I'm going, oh, there are some people on there I'd like to see. And uh, somebody messaged me and said, hey, are you going to Motor City Comic Con? And I really hadn't decided at that point that I was. And he said, well, Jim Lee's going to be there. And I'm like, holy crap. Jim Lee's coming to like our neck of the woods. It's like, you know, I'm in Ohio, but Michigan, uh, just in Novi is where it was at, just a little bit farther than Detroit. It's about it's about two-hour drive. I thought, man, I can make that. And initially, I was just going to go to the convention, just buy the one-day convention ticket rather than do the three. And I thought, well, I'll just camp out at Jim Lee's table. And uh, my wife and a good friend of mine that I went up with was like, I don't know. With like with Jim Lee coming there, the only way you're going to see him is if you do the VIP package. And I looked at the VIP package; it was like 150 bucks or something like that. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to convince my wife to like, can I spend 150 dollars plus the ticket to go in? And uh, so I just was kind of telling her about it, and she said the same thing. She's like, there's probably only only going to be one way that you're going to get to go get a chance to get anything signed by him or a chance to meet him. And I was like, so what are you trying to tell me right now? She's like, we've got enough. You can do the VIP thing. And I felt like I just won every single Christmas <laughs> as a kid. And, and I got to tell you, there's a little sticker shock hearing that. But when you start thinking about it, that's not that bad a price to meet a comic book legend. I know a lot of people are used to the old days where you just wait in line and meet them for free. But to meet a legend who's also running or co-running the entire comic book, you know, of DC Comics, their industry, yeah. which is a lot of work. And for him to sign, I, I, I think I'm stepping over what you're going to say, but for him to sign no. three items, if you look on eBay for what a Jim Lee item is going as opposed to a Jim Lee item going sold, you know, that value that he's adding to your collection kind of makes up a lot of that difference depending on what you get signed. And, you know, so it, that's really not that, that much, I think, to meet him. No, not at all. And knowing that we were going to get uh, three items signed, uh, that we could take three items, plus we were getting a print that was pre-signed before that. So you start looking like that's four things, getting a chance to, you know, shake his hand, talk to him for a little bit, um, which is really cool. And then after getting, you know, buying the ticket and waiting, I think two months, then it was like, okay, what am I going to take to get signed? And I think I've said this uh, recently on a, um, a live stream I did on Facebook of, Again, my good friend Joe Dunn. Hey, Joe, if you're listening, uh, he went to the convention with me, and he said, rather than take like, oh, I'm going to take X Men number one, and I'm going to take you know uh, a Wildstorm book, or you know whatever it might be. He's like, take something that don't take something like I'm going to get Batman fifty, you know, sketch cover with you know Batman and Catwoman kissing on the front cover, or almost getting ready to. He's like, yeah, that might be worth something someday. He said, but. It is it does it mean anything to you? Is it worth something to you? He's like, you're the Tim Drake guy. He's like, I'm sure you can find issues that he has done of Tim Drake. And he's like, that might be your in. So um, I took uh, the absolute uh, hush, the big, uh, you know, absolute book. I took that one. I took Batman uh, nine, six, six, 19 to look on my shoulder. And that's the end of hush. That's the giant gatefold cover with, uh, the whole uh, cast of Hush, but on the front cover is Tim Drake, Robin and Batman. So it's the only time that he's ever drawn Tim Drake on the front cover. So that was a no brainer. And then I took Superman, Batman 26, which is a um, Superboy and a Robin 
team-up book done by different artists and different creators. And two years prior to that, I had met Ed McGinnis at Motor City Comic Con and had him sign it. And Jim Lee only did two pages in the whole entire book, but it's the opening splash page. And it's you've probably seen this image multiple times. I'll put it on the uh, Facebook and Instagram page of Robin and Superboy. It looks like they're scaling up a uh, building. And I you know, sat the books down and shook his hand. And I said, this was really corny and cheesy, but I've heard he kind of likes some engagement in it kind of paid off later on that I said, you know, I know a lot of people are here celebrating Batman's 50th. I said, but I'm the guy. And of course, I was wearing a Tim Drake Robin shirt. I said, I'm celebrating Tim Drake's 30th anniversary here. And he hung his head and he's like, man, has it been 30 years? And we had a, a little conversation and he you know, was signing stuff. He's like, hey, help uh, help fighting that good fight with Tim Drake. And I said, yeah, he's kind of a lost you know, the forgotten Robin nowadays, he's like, ah, I think the future looks pretty bright for Tim Drake. So I thought that was cool. So he signed uh, my three things. We sat down and we got to have a, a panel and he does a, you know, he'll draw while he's talking or asking questions. So I had, of course, kind of sort of talked about Tim Drake and just used Tim as an example of, well, when you're creating, when characters are getting new costumes or they're getting updated, like how far up the line does that have to go does i said for example tim drake's getting a new identity or costume in the pages of young justice i said does that have to go all the way up to you or is that up to the editor so he actually had me stand up he's like oh i think tim drake is uh, celebrating 30 years old why don't you stand up and he's like let's everybody applaud for tim drake's 30th anniversary and i was like half clap clapping like hi (laughs) felt really weird to get called out and then to find out that the Detroit free press was filming that panel. So if you go on YouTube and type in Jim Lee motor city comic-con, you can see the panel that I was at. And then Jim Lee, you can see him ask me to stand up and it's really weird. You really can't hear the questions that much, but uh, Jim Lee's uh, responses, just his insight on just the comics and uh, stuff in general was, was pretty cool. So that was also the, the big highlight. And the other thing for me was uh, getting a chance to meet Eddie Barrows, which he, if he does conventions are usually in like Los Angeles, California, or maybe New York. So for him to wind up in, you know, the Ohio, Michigan area was really, was really cool too. So I bought uh, some original artwork from him, got him to sign a bunch of books. Of course I had him sign a lonely place of living and, a couple of the rebirth trades and a couple of uh, Teen Titans books that he was on. So uh, that's my little motor com, uh, Motor City Comic Con experience. It was really cool. It was, it was their 30th anniversary, and uh, it was just really cool all the way around. I got a chance to meet uh, Alan Davis, uh, Tom Grummet. I got a chance to uh, talk to him for a little bit, and I think that's going to play into hopefully a future episode uh, of the show. Uh, my wife printed up some business cards for me to hand out the convention, so I was handing those out. Um, I got a chance to meet TJ. Hello, TJ. I met you at the uh, Motor City Comic Con. So it was cool to kind of get recognized by somebody that listens to the podcast and watches the YouTube channel, and I uh, got a chance to talk to um, a fan of the show, too. So that that was kind of surreal in itself. Like, I'm just out here... Uh, with a bunch of other sweaties getting autographs and here was somebody wanting to come up and shake my hand. So it was really kind of uh, interesting as well. So uh, it it was really cool uh, to be able to do that. Yeah. Jim Lee has 
done my absolute most favorite panel in all of comics in Hush. He did it in watercolor, actually, and it's a scene with oh. like young Bruce Wayne, and he turns a corner and he sees the Alan Scott Green Lantern, and I I don't know what it was when I saw that in reading the comic i felt like i was there with bruce and like it was so unexpected because it was it's unexpected for bruce to have seen that and um man it like it like took my breath away like literally like i was like you know and i thought it was so amazing and then i saw him in an interview years later saying how he was disappointed with how the watercolors turned out and that and oh, that was he so didn't cool. want that and i was like oh my gosh here the, here i think it's the greatest panel i've ever seen <laughs> for me personally i mean you can have another panel is your favorite um and I'm not trying to say it's the greatest. I'm just trying to say it's my favorite. Uh, oh yeah. And here he's like disappointed with it. Like, oh yeah, it wasn't quite <laughs> what I wanted. So, but yeah, he his his interview is really cool. You know, what I took away from it. It seems like DC is having um, somewhat of a relationship with Todd McFarlane and with um, Spawn 300 coming out soon. And Todd's mm-hmm. kind of making sort of his own, pardon the pun, rebirth here. And, you know, Todd always, I've always loved Todd McFarlane's art, and he seemed to always love Batman. And even if you like watch his, um, like his YouTube channel and stuff, like he'll draw a lot of Batman. He's always talking about Batman. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, I don't know, I've just got my fingers crossed that we may get something really good, maybe a Todd McFarlane return to Batman. Maybe it's just me wishful thinking. Did you catch that vibe when he was talking about that a yeah. little bit at all? Yeah. And there were some questions about uh, you know the image guys. Does he stay in contact with them? And of course they were. He's poking fun at some of his friends, and they do the same thing to him. But uh, I got that as well that he was saying that there are some things on the horizon. It was like a, a follow up question that somebody else had, but shortly after. Uh, a McFarlane question was asked and I kind of got that vibe too, that I think DC is really kind of opening up the reins in what they're wanting to do and having creators move in and out. And, uh, you know, we just lost Patrick Gleason to Marvel, but we gained, I forget who the person from Marvel is coming over. I'll probably have to try and find an editor's note here somewhere, but uh, I could see somebody, you know, like McFarlane doing like in a, it's not exclusive, but just come over and do a few issues. Or even if it was something like if he just started doing some covers on some books, I think that would be would be pretty cool, too. So, I mean, he did um, Batman Year Two, which I had got signed there by uh, Alan Davis. But uh, looking at his artwork in there, I felt like we got just a small little glimpse of what McFarlane could have done with uh, Batman. And like you said, with his Spawn stuff, you could see he really was leaning in to what his Batman work maybe potentially could have been. So, yeah, I I would love to see McFarlane come back and do something like that. But to tie that together with Mattel losing the toy license, McFarlane Toys is going to be producing Batman, or not Bat, well, Batman, but DC action figures. So if you're seeing like the Fortnite figures in stores and stuff right now, that's those are the figures I'm kind of paying attention to to say, this is what McFarlane Toys is doing in action figure style and knowing that well somebody's got to design all these characters for the manufacturer of toys that's going to go right to mcfarland's desk or his whole team so we if he doesn't get a chance to draw in the comics we're going to be seeing probably a lot of box art of all of these dc characters so you'd have to think that that that's going to tie in somewhere that if he's doing box art design that somebody like jim lee will say well hey why don't you do this special issue of Batman or Superman or Green Lantern or whatever. So 
I don't think that's too far out of the realm of possibility. Like 10 years ago, you would have said, nah, there's no way. But now, especially being in the rebirth era, I think they've kind of released some reins of who gets to draw and who gets to play and do what. And that'll probably uh, feature into our uh, upcoming topic here next. Yes, I was going to say... I'm guessing Tom King wasn't at Motor City Comic Con, was he? No, no, he was not. Uh, and I was kind of surprised. Like, the story didn't initially break till after Motor City, but um, there were some rumblings in the hall while we were outside waiting uh, to get in for to start the signing with Jim Lee of people just kind of talking about Tom King. And I half wondered, like, oh, is somebody going to, you know, ask the bold question? But at that at that time, we didn't know because the Tom King information just officially broke this Monday, Tuesday, if I remember correctly, with this being the 26th. So it may have been the 23rd or 22nd that uh, King's News uh, were bearing the lead here of he will not be finishing his Batman run um, as it was once originally slated that he's going to be doing a uh, Batman Catwoman run. So you actually had brought up this idea for a topic. So I'm going to kind of let you run with it. And we'll uh, talk about this for a little bit of what we've thought about Tom King. And uh, first of all, I want to get your impressions. I'm probably going to get the number wrong. I want to say it's issue 71, 72, but I'm calling it the punch issue where I thought, Oh, look at this. You've got, uh, Robin, you've got uh, Robin with you know Damien and Tim being on there. You've got uh, I forget who was all all on the front cover. Um, Duke Thomas and I think even Cassie was in there. And uh, uh, I'm not sure who else was on the roof with them. Oh, the Huntress was on there as well. I thought, wow, Tom King's putting members of some other members of the Bat family, other than you know a Nightwing or a Batgirl or something like that. And this issue was going along, and uh, Tim's trying to console Bruce about what was going on. And then the last panel is Bruce clocking uh, Tim Drake Robin right in the face. And it's that meme that you see all over the place uh, that's now running concurrent with the Batman meme of slapping Robin. And, yeah, I was like, I, of course, being ups- being upset, like being a Tim Drake fan, going, yeah, that's kind of crappy. But for me, that was starting to underline of what's been going on in the Batman book where I started going like, all right, what in the hell? Like, what are we doing in this title? So I want to get your uh, opinions and your thoughts on this now that I've already kind of laid (laughs) mine out there. Yeah. I mean, I don't even really remember that punch to be honest with you. I'm trying to look it up while we're talking about it. I've, I've been incredibly underwhelmed with the Tom King run and I was kind of wanting to wait to pass judgment because I did hear from the very beginning in interviews with him that he wanted this to go to 100 issues and he had a 100-issue arc in mind. So I was always like, well, let me let me wait till we, we see the whole thing. But it just, it just doesn't work for me. The artwork has been amazing. The har- they've gotten the top-notch artists. The artwork has been fantastic. No complaints on the artwork. And the artwork has saved it. But... Mm-hmm. So much of it just feel, feels like filler. Like, I don't know if you read the Mr. Miracle um, series, and that first issue was fantastic, but then it just went nowhere. It just, you know, it was like a car stuck in the mud. The wheels are spinning, but we're not going anywhere. Or if we do go somewhere, it takes a long time. And 
it, it was a 12 issue prestige format kind of series that cost a lot of money to buy all 12 issues where mm-hmm. I'm like this could have been like a one shot or this could have been an 80 page you know annual kind of thing and um same thing with um I had a friend who really liked the Vision series. I never really understood that one. I, I never got into that. But yeah. uh, Identity Crisis, a lot of it just feels like filler. And I'm trying to wait till that's all done and see where they go with Wally West for that one. But just, I mean, issue after issue where it was just like the dialogue was like a character says one thing, then the other character says the exact same thing. Then the other character says mm-hmm. the exact same thing but says adds not to it. Like, And then we say I have the same exact dialogue three pages later. And then the same exact dialogue three pages later of them just repeating what they said to each other. Um, there's this, the issue with Nightwing where him and Nightwing are just running around Gotham City and nothing happens other than that dialogue. And then all of a sudden Nightwing gets shot in the head. But then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, but then the next issue it's about Batman going to Russia. Like... It's, it, these things happen and there's no like payoff and then the whole wedding thing ah man I just hate that it was like the the story itself would have been okay if it just came out as the story but when DC hypes it as the wedding and then they have like 200 different covers for all these different variants for all these retailers and a midnight release and they make us I don't they don't make us but we buy these like <laughs> whatever is six or seven issue tie in the prelude to the wedding and that's you know at three three or four bucks each you know and then for it to just then leak the week before what the ending of the story was which shows it was never even a wedding anyway it just like just left a bad taste in a lot of DC comic fans and then the last I'm 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 about an issue or two behind, but like the last eight or nine issues or so of the series has just been filler. We we left off with this great cliffhanger where Batman is in the cave and Alfred is like, "Your father's here," and then we had a like a four issue tie in with the Flash, which was an okay story, but it's like that's not where you left us. And then there's been just dream after dream like the it's just there's a professor pig issue there's a joker issue that literally is a complete waste of paper it's like batman chasing after the joker and and it's nothing happens and it's a dream and the dialogue is just weak and it's like what did i just buy here like it's Mm -hmm. you know 3.99 for nothing and um so like i said i was trying to i'm probably rambling here but i'm uh, no no I'm trying. I was trying to hold judgment till the end, but now I don't even think. I think we're going to pull the plug. I've heard the rumor that sales have been dropping. It's getting beat by the the um, not the Incredible Hulk, but what are they calling that? The new Hulk series. Uh, uh, I can't remember what it's called now off the top of my head. Yeah, but that one's doing really well uh, and it's getting good reviews. And that um, I'll look it up. It's the Savage. Is it the Savage Hulk? Or I, I can't remember. Um, but that that's doing really well and, and, and beating it. So, you know, I'm I hope when the end of the day Tom King says like I got to finish my story the way I wanted to finish it. I just finished it in a Batman Catwoman miniseries. Although him saying that his original ending was going to change Batman for decades to come and have repercussions, I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen or not so i don't know but it's good i just feel like it's going to be another scott snyder thing where um you know <laughs> so i released the snyder cut like oh if only those mean executives had just let him do what we want we would have had this amazing incredible movie but they meddled and now we got garbage where i'm like what what did you see that 
ever suggested that the Snyder cut would be amazing and phenomenal. <laughs> like I, I, you know, right. I don't see it. Yeah, it would have been different. It would have been his vision. And if that's what you like, I guess you could say it was amazing. But I don't see where fandom would have thought that if he did what he wanted to do, it would have been great. But um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on the series? Have you enjoyed it, or are you just? I think you said you're just not really liking it that much either. I. I was current up to issue 51, so the only reason I read the most recent issue is because I saw Tim Drake on the front cover. So I think it's issue 74 uh, where the the whole Tim Drake thing figures into it. So I got a uh, an advanced copy of it and was reading through it, and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like what in the world is going on? But it's – it. King's Batman feels like a soap opera. Like I haven't watched the guiding light in 25 years or 30 years, maybe. And I'm sure if I watched Monday's episode, I'd be like, Oh, okay. So it's later the same day. Like it's this. And, and I don't mean to offend anybody that says like, Oh, I love, if you love Tom King's run great, but I feel it's a lot of spinning its wheels for the sake of spinning its wheels. Like, okay, we're going to go a hundred issues and we're just padding out all of this story where I think you could take away 30 issues of the, of the King run and go, okay, now you've got a concise run. But like you said, it, it jumps from issue to issue. You get a cliffhanger in one issue, and then two issues later, you finally get a chance to talk about it. But the issue before is a completely different topic. So I've got stacks of it that I'm eventually going to read it. And I've been one of those guys that I've been double dipping into the books. So I'm buying two copies every two weeks that it comes out, getting the A cover and the B cover both, because I think the B covers are just so good. And I almost... Uh, I had made the decision actually to drop getting the A cover of the Tom King book uh, because I still liked the uh, the B variant so much. And it's been the first time in a long time that I've thought about just dropping the Batman title altogether just because Detective has been really good and has been the consistent book, I think, since Rebirth has started. There was a little hiccups, you know, a few issue, few issues every now and then. But the King book has just really been it's it's been a struggle to kind of read and then you put that with heroes in crisis and what's been going on in that book um somebody said like you mentioned the snyder cut like he should get to you know complete his vision and i go should you be allowed to complete your vision to the detriment of the sales of the book because you can go look at the sales for the batman book it's it's not where it was even at the height of scott snyder's run so the book is dropping like every week. The book drops a little bit more, a little bit more. So I think at some point it's like triage, like DC would have to say, or to tie this back to Motor City, like Jim Lee, or somebody would have to make that decision. Like, all right, we're not going to quote unquote fire you, but the sales of the book are waning. We will allow you to continue to finish your run in a book that is not in the Batman book. You can do a Batman Catwoman book, but we're going to bring somebody in to – like breathe life back into the main Batman book. And it's, this is the 80th anniversary. And that's what I keep telling myself over and over again. Like for Batman's 80th anniversary, this is the story that we're telling. And I'm looking at Tomasi over in detective going, I'm sure liking this a heck of a lot more than I am the main Batman story. So, um, yeah, it was to interrupt you, but it was weird too, because at the same time, 
Tom King's doing this nightmare run, um, which is all just make believe stories. Like he's got a bachelor bachelorette party with Superman and Catwoman and Lois Lane and all these things. Uh, Detective was doing a, a make believe story where mm-hmm. Leslie Thompson had gotten killed and all this stuff. So it was kind of like, is there a bat book that actually is in continuity where it's not just, <laughs> you know, imagination of, I realized the whole thing is imagination, but where like, <laughs> right. it's not just at the end of it, like dun, 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 it was just Batman's dream. And even I was looking right here on Twitter, Tom King had, um, put up a quote that said, um, and this is from Tom King's um, Twitter, which is Tom King TK, uh, or at Tom King TK, I should say. Um, He said, this is a long story being told in lots of ways by lots of artists. I begrudge no one for saying, what the hell is going on? Exclamation point, question mark. (laughs) So I I feel like it's unfair to judge it now because a lot of these things read differently when they're collected in a trade paperback. And honestly... People who buy it monthly and read it monthly are a small percentage of the overall people who will ever read the story be- just in sheer numbers because most people will come to it later and get a trade paperback. So things change in the trade paperback, but I don't know. I'm just – it's just – it's just a bad look for DC. With everything going on, it's just, a, it's just another bad look. You know what I mean? Yeah. And – I think at the end of the day, like I'm not invested into the bat cat relationship. Sorry, Jordan, but it's, if you're going to put Batman and Catwoman together, great, but I still want to see Batman punch some guy in the face. I want to see him riding the Batmobile. I want to see him swinging from rooftops. I don't want to see him getting a cheeseburger with Superman and being at a carnival and throwing, you know, darts at a board and them falling in love with each other like oh i think i like your girlfriend i like i'm like why don't you go punch it's like watching the superman returns movie like shouldn't superman punch somebody in this book and i felt like there were issues where batman's in the costume but he's like oh my life's crazy oh i'm gonna have another dream i'm like let's do some batman stuff so it's one of those things like you said where he was gonna you know i can't believe dc is gonna let us do this and we're gonna change the character forever it's like i don't really want the character to change forever i want batman to still be batman and as kevin smith would say punch dirty turkeys in the face and slide down a bat pole and uh get in the batmobile and get get the next case from commissioner gordon and i feel like there's been very very little of that in king's run and even in tomasi's run to some degree although i think that has been getting better with the last few issues so um for batman's 80th i've been a little lackluster like you said where where is the incontinuity book because two of the main batman books are constantly (laughs) in a dream state lately yeah, and you know what got me with the whole Batman Catwoman? And again, sorry, Jordan. But <laughs> I never got that moment from Tom King. Because I, I was always able to, let me preface this, I was always able to like take that Tom King Batman Catwoman and look at it separately. So I, I didn't have to worry, well, in this book over here or this book from 1986 or whatever. Like I could say, like this is his vision of the characters. If they're in love, if they're getting married, I can handle that. But I never got a moment from him where I said, aha, this is why these two love each other. Right. Like, as dumb as it sounds, in Batman Returns, when Bruce and Selina are having that dance and they finish each other's sentence after repeating what, um, you know, a kiss can, what is it, say? a kiss can be deadly or... Uh, the mistletoe. Is it, uh, uh, a mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. A mistletoe can be deadly, but a 
kiss can be deadly, all right? Yes. Right. Yeah. That, that, like, watching that, I'm like, that was like that aha moment of, ah, I get it. I get why they love each other. I get why they're into each other. I just haven't got that from Tom King's run. So it makes the rest of it feel like when Batman's like, I love you, cat. I love you, cat. Oh, let's say, <laughs> I love you, cat, 15 more times in one issue. I'm just like, what, what is this? What is that? You know, it's just, and I'm, I'm fine with Batman being in love with Catwoman and I'm fine with Batman getting married to Catwoman and having a kid and calling them, you know, the huntress or whatever. I just, have a problem with every 15 panels uh, i love you cat like like a like a love struck like 12 year old or something yeah I don't know. It, it just it's it just, it's a forced uh, romance like i'm trying to tell you that these two belong together like you can tell me that they belong together but you're not showing it and you're not showing the the reasons why they should but with that, there should be reasons why they shouldn't either and i think he at least landed that with catwoman going oh i can't i can't make Batman care about me because he'll stop being Batman. So that was the one time as a reader, I was like, thank you. At least he stated that, but we just spent two and a half years of you telling me that Batman loves Catwoman and you didn't say why he loves her. It's just like, Oh, well, these two should be together. So we're going to write a story around it. And like, yeah, it never got there. So I, I don't like want to pass quick judgment, but the Batman Catwoman title, I probably will not pick that up. I've, <laughs> I, this this probably sounds bad, but I I will be glad for a new writer to be writing the Batman title and getting Batman back to being Batman. And if DC is like, no, no, Batman and Catwoman are going to be together, they're going to be married, they'll be a thing, great, fine. But l- let's have some action in some of these books for a while. You can still have story and char- character development, but it's just been like one long, giant soap opera for, for quite a while. And the rumor is uh, Brian Michael Bendis is going to take over writing. And I'm thinking, how many books can this guy write a month? Did they have him just like chained <laughs> to a typewriter or a word processor or a computer, I guess, would be more accurate in the DC headquarters? I mean, he writes two Superman titles, Young Justice. He's got these other like Michael – I don't know. There's a couple other things that I don't read, but they're like uh, his own line kind of, you yeah. know what I'm talking about? like. How much can this one guy write? But uh, it'll be interesting to see where Batman goes from here and if they they relaunch and we get another Batman number one in our lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I think we will. For some reason, I think we'll get... I mean, I kind of hope not because the Batman title... At some point, you know they're going to have to renumber the books back to their original number because eventually the Batman title will get up to 1,000. And I'm going... When Detective Comics hit a thousand, I was like, "Well, technically, Detective Comics never reached a thousand. Not Volume One. You stopped that for the New Fifty Two. But technically, I guess we could say Detective Comics made a thousand issues. That's where I was like, "Man, you were going so long. It was the first volume, and then you stopped it for the New Fifty Two, and now we're on the third volume, and we're like, oh, we hit a thousand. I'm like, well, kinda. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the highest selling comic book issue." For 2018 was Action Comics 1000, and the highest selling comic issue for 2019 so far has been Detective Comics 1000. So I'm waiting for DC to come out with like 1000 month next year. You know, where yeah, they had zero year. You know, where everyone had a zero issue. I think they did that twice. They mm-hmm. had um, one million issue at one point. So I I'm waiting for a thousandth month or you know <laughs> at least more of these milestones. All right, well, let's just get into our feature discussion. This is my conversation with Donovan Morgan Grant on why he 
loves the Drake. All right, so our first guest here, and I would kind of figure this is probably the best place to start, and I don't know if Donovan knows this or not, but he and Tim Jirasi are the reason Robin Everyone Loves the Drake exists. I'm tr- I was trying to go back to my notes almost some six years ago that there was a TBU commentary track for uh, Robin's Reckoning that when I, was, I wasn't doing any podcasting at all, and I was just doing stuff like some YouTube reviews and some action figure stuff, and I think I saw on Twitter that there was going to, I think maybe it was even Dustin had said, hey, there's going to be a TBU commentary track for Robin's Reckoning. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm, I'm a big Robin fan. I'd, I'll hop on that. I think it was you, Tim Drossi, and I believe it might have been Terrence. And we did, mm-hmm. um, I think those two commentary tracks were the first time I'd done anything like that. And, uh, you know, the first time I'd spoken to you or anything, and I thought, well, that, that's pretty cool. And then Tim said, hey, that was a really fun time uh, doing that. Would you want to come on the Bat Fans podcast? So I did that, their show, for a couple of years, and I started getting this bug of like, man, that was a lot of fun talking to those guys about this the animated series and a big fan of Tim Drake. So this show, like, spurred out of that initial uh podcasts or that podcast that a commentary track so i i went back and listened to it not, not that long ago and i was like man i was really green <laughs> during that but that was a lot of fun so i don't know like where all that got spearheaded or if you remember uh that far back but i said don if you don't know who this is if you're listening to the batman universe this is donovan morgan grant how are you doing tonight sir I'm well. Thank you very, very much for having me. Honestly, it's, it's been a long time coming, me appearing on this uh, this podcast. Um, so, yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, and I, I can't believe, I think in, in passing over, it's just funny how, how time flies by. And having to actually, uh, the episode hasn't been recorded yet, a little peek behind the curtain. We're at like episode 92 and we're recording 100, but neither here nor there. You and I got to meet in real life in Bowling Green, uh, Ohio and uh, get a chance to speak to one another. I think we might have even said there that it seemed like er- as the years kept going by, I would read your you know op-eds and things that you were writing for the Batman universe, and you wrote some like a three-part uh, series on Tim Drake that is wonderful. I highly recommend uh, you go anybody go check that out. And you recently have done one on Jason Todd that um, I I really like. I'm kind of wanting to see where. Uh, if you're going to do more, where that's going to go, you can talk about that here in a little bit. But uh, I was always wanting to have you on the show, and I'm like, oh, this would be a good spot. Oh, this would be a good spot. Next thing you know, I blink, and five years have gone by, and I'm at 100 episodes. I'm like, I have not had Donovan on. So <laughs> we need to get you on an official episode, but I'm glad you're here to celebrate um, 100. So I, one of the first questions I want to want to ask you is, you know, what was your first introduction to the Tim Drake character? You know, be it comics or animation or or otherwise. Yes, I can remember this. Um, my first introduction was my aunt had gotten me. It would have been a back issue because it wasn't. I, I believe it wasn't when this 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 issue came out because this has been like 92. So this may have been 1990. Let's say five. So, Tim's series would have been coming out around this time, but it was a back issue from Nightfall, and it was the issue of Detective Comics, I believe okay. it was, where uh, 
Tim is captured by Bane, and he Bane ends up fighting Killer Croc. On those, uh, I love that one. On those serious, serious girders, yeah. And and um, now by that time, I'm I'm I'm, I'm young. I'm, I'm I'm a little kid, and I had watched both this reruns of the '60s show and the animated series. So that's pr- generally my education on Batman, and. I was so like receptive of like whatever I saw that I never really distinguished like the animated series Robin's costumes from Burt Ward's costumes. Like, oh yeah, I guess they are different. <laughs> so uh, in that issue, when Tim is like thinking to himself, like you know, this is serious. You know, you're not going to die here. And like mm-hmm. by the time he hits the water, and he's like, oh, you know, uh, at least my hands are free. Good, Tim. Think on the bright side. I'm like, Tim. I thought his name was Dick Grayson. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was my introduction to Tim, and like um. Uh, my brother and I got into collecting his series um, right before the new Batman Adventures came out when they actually introduced Tim Drake in the, in the cartoon. And oh, yeah. we were very excited because we felt for the first time we kind of had forward knowledge on what the cartoons were adding to the comics, even though I didn't actually know Tim's origin when that cartoon came on. So for all I knew, it was the same as it was in the animated series. Of course, it wasn't. But like, right. it was definitely um, Nightfall Part whatever. That was my first introduction to Tim. And then, of course, later on, the, the Dixon series. Yeah, and I was just looking it up as you were talking. That uh, Nightfall Part Four uh, was released May nineteen ninety three. Yes, yes, it's yeah. it's, a, it's a hilarious issue. Yeah, <laughs> um, and you were talking about uh, you know an introduction and you know, where you started. So once you got past the uh, animated series, and that was you know really cool to see. Uh, that wow, they're actually using you know the Tim Drake character, and we would come to find out. Obviously, it's a little bit of amalgamation of Jason Todd and and Tim Drake thrown in there. But do you have a, a favorite Tim Drake story or favorite uh, story, be it his solo uh, series or just one that where Tim is in, where you're like, oh man, this is this is really cool. This is something you ought to pick up because uh, it features uh, Tim Drake. That is a darn good question. <laughs> um, I was kind of scrolling through the covers because uh, I really love those first like fifty hundred issues of, of Tim's series, and I remember. I mean, I, I have I have some I have some solo issues like like I, I have a real huge heart for Robin number ten, um, but I also really like you know what this isn't this is probably isn't even my favorite, but it's one that like I kind of have a soft spot for because it was one of the earliest stories I read. Um, and I believe you just covered this, like the the ninja two part story. Oh, I love that story. Yeah, with the Dragon Cat Parsons. I, yeah. my brother and I got that those that two parts, and it was a really easily to digest kind of story. Uh, you know that kids could read, but also it was you know it wasn't kiddie. Like right. Pe- people were dying, and I remember going on a school field trip and taking some comics with me, and I had because uh, it's okay. Don't tell me it's Robin twenty one and twenty two, right? Correct. Very All nice. Right. I, I still got it. Um, <laughs> So I took those two issues and like I was you know staying in like a bunk room with with um, a couple of the kids and they're kind of passing me around through the past time, and I remember people like oh man what happens next where's the next part so like kids who weren't actually into comics I was kind of sharing them like you know uh, DC at the time and like yeah it was like yeah though no, this is this is really fun so I think I would probably throw up like anywhere between like Robin number ten and like maybe some of the other stuff later on but like I think that um my most nostalgic story is the uh, the Dragon Cat. Uh, Parsons' uh, two-parter ninja story. Yeah, that that was a fun episode to do just for for us, and it was one of those little gems that I remember reading back in the day and going back for the show. I was surprised how much I re- we were all like recalling that, and I think that's just one of the things that we say on on this show quite a bit that Dixon just has a way of 
telling these small little stories that really really set up Tim's world and set up you know who who Tim is and it was just a, a fun story we have done you know at this point you know chronologically about four or five years of Tim Drake you know becoming Robin and having Batman's back broken and getting ready that you know cataclysm and stuff is you know a little farther down the line but it was a nice little breather of all of this crazy stuff that Dixon could go right back into Tim's world and this crazy ninja camp that he's in and there's a there's some really fun tongue-in-cheek moments in it, but just some really clever humor that I, I always just found really endearing. So that's cool that uh, that was a, a favorite of yours as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, what do you, what do you, what was your like earliest memory of the character? Because I don't believe I know off, off the top of my head. It was actually uh, Lonely Place of Dying was was my introduction. I think I was getting comics from the grocery store from my uh, from my mom. I would if I saw a yellow cape. Or, you know, the blue cape on, on a comic cover. Didn't care if it was Detective or Batman or the Superpowers collection. I wanted to read Robin and Batman, and, and usually in that order. And I would flip through a book. If I didn't see Robin in it, I would end up putting it down. And it was in seventh grade, uh, sitting next to a guy named Troy Van Handel. I'll never forget his name. And he was drawing um, The Death of Robin. From um, uh, blanket on the issue, Jason Todd's uh, death and uh, death of the family, and I said, "Oh, what is that?" He said, "Oh, this is the issue where Robin dies." And I was like, "Robin, they're killing Dick Grayson." He's like, "No, this is Jason Todd." I was like, "Oh, who the heck is Jason Todd?" So I got this huge history lesson, and you know, not really knowing at the time how comics worked and anything, I went to a Seven Eleven, and on the spinner rack was the last issue of Batman Year Three. And the start of a lonely place of dying. So I had the end of one story and the beginning of another. And I was like, oh, cool. Dick Grayson's in this. Dick Grayson is Nightwing. Who the heck is Nightwing? Mm-hmm. And so then seeing that story progress of like, oh, cool. This kid is going to convince Dick Grayson to become Robin. You get rid of the stupid Nightwing persona. And then, <laughs> of course, by the end of it, I was like, I like this kid is Robin and this Nightwing character is pretty cool. So that was my introduction. I was like right on the ground floor just by dumb luck and just by sitting in art class and watching, you know, someone draw the death of Jason Todd. So I read that trade and then he had given me that the trade and I didn't even know what a trade was at the time, read death of the family and went and I had to go find out, you know, is there going to be any more Robin? So that's, it was just so odd that the end of year three and the only place were both of them a spinner rack at the same time. Yeah, oh, yeah, totally. It's it's it. That was a story that like I I had seen images of like Lonely Place of Dying because it has that very gleeful Perez cover of Batman and Robin swinging. Oh yeah, it's such a, it's a, such a, a grim title. So it was always an, it was always interesting to me because I I read that years later after I read a lot of Tim's stories. So like uh, that's because he has a very like interesting origin because his origin. And I remember writing about this when I wrote about my um in the Tim articles that like it ties him to the golden age origin of Robin yeah. in a way which I feel if it was done today people would complain about but I, it seems that everyone just took to it immediately when it, when it, when it actually did happen and just in, it engendered him with a lot of goodwill interestingly enough oh yeah and it it puts Tim in the place of he gets to ex- gets to it sounds like it's exciting I get experience of death but you know he gets to see the birth of the character and gets to witness 
you know, Batman arriving on the scene and, and then figuring out all of this and then bringing it to Dick Grayson, which I thought was really endearing of Marv Wolfman to write that in and then even telegraphing it into Batman year three, you get that small little picture of the Grayson's taking a picture with the Drakes and then they're off. And then, you know, you, you don't even have to mention that it's Tim, but you see this little boy in there and you start putting those pieces together. So like you said, it sends goodwill out to the character and it instantly makes you like the character because he's invested in this is what is better for Batman's health. He, he needs this character. He needs you Dick and goes the other way. Like, well, if Dick, Dick can't do this, there needs to be a Robin there. And I, I just found that so cool uh, reading that, that this person knew and understood the importance of Robin. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that, that like, um, because the Batman movie was planning to have Robin in it for a while, but when Death in the Family happened, they're like, oh, we can actually do a story without Robin. This kind of right. like this kind of gives us um, license to do that. But like pretty soon, there's a story, there's Lonely Places of Nine, where it's like, no, actually, he, he, does, he does need a Robin. Maybe not all the time, but enough where he's not gone too long, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of Robin, he's had many iterations. If you were going to read, this was... This would be a question I don't want to answer. If there was, you're going to read the Robin book, the Red Robin book, Young Justice, Teen Titans, not New Fifty Two, Jeff Johns. Um, yes. Where Where do you think the best? If you were going to point somebody and go, this This is a really good spot, and I think I would know what most people's answer is going to be. That this is where you're going to get the most out of who Robin is, or what do you think the best representation, or maybe even. What is your favorite version of Tim Drake to read? If you were just going to pull a book off the shelf, what of those iterations of Tim would you want to read? My favorite version of Tim, or kind of my favorite era, what have you, is if if to kind of be broad with it, probably the first thirty issues of Dixon's run, but more specifically, like the Chuck Dixon, um, Tom Grummet run, right? Because I really probably because I, I'd I'd seen it so early. And I think that, like, I think Tom Grimm is probably my favorite Tim Drake artist between, like, the covers and, like, the first several issues and, like, the Robin number 10, which I love. Um, that's kind of just how, because he made him look, you know, youthful and clever, but also pretty serious. And there's just moments in those that, that, that Dixon really does a lot of world building and how Tim's different, because you see moments um, in issue two where he, you know, he runs away from, like, um, Shotgun Smith, and he's like, mm-hmm. you know, the mask fuses you in some ways and binds you in others. He's constantly, um, there's, there's, uh, it's a little earlier, but, like, in Robin Year 3, or uh, Year 3, um, Robin 3, Cry the Huntress, I mm-hmm. love how he gets into fights with his dad, and, like, the school thinks he's being abused by Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think it's a genius subplot, and, like, uh, instances where he is trapped in that cement truck with a uh, clue master, and he constantly oh, yeah killing him and he's running out of air and he thinks he let Bruce down and like there's so many terrific stories that are just I mean they're just plots in, them, in themselves but like they really define who this character is in ways which you're not even comparing him to the other two Robins because you're so invested in him that you're not stopping to think well you know Jason could have done this or Dick could have done this like it's a, com- it's a completely new experience with this character yeah and, and you hit the nail on the head Dixon has a way of building the world around the character where I'm not counting the screen time of like, okay, we haven't seen Robin in five pages. There are issues where Tim doesn't put on the costume at all. He is just dealing with Ariana or Stephanie and then his dad and trying to 
lead the school life and not punch you know the the bully in the face and going to have to get stuck in the locker and then have to explain all these bruises and it, there was like you said those 100 runs or even those first 30 or 40 issues there is so much world building building and even from the mini series when the mini series were coming out i'm like man i don't know who this chuck dixon guy of course chuck dixon is but he is writing tim so early and planting all these seeds that chuck had a, a very unique opportunity to start plot points finish them and plant seeds for new ones multiple times through all of his books so you could see little threads that started in robin and would wind up in detective or go to birds of prey and go to green arrow and then find their way back to robin again and i think he was always very smart especially when i was rereading it um that he really kept a mind on the fact that tim was not only a, a young teenager, like he like generally fourteen, but like he didn't come from like this athletic background that the other heroes did. So there were plenty of times where he's like, "I'm in the my head. I'm out of my league. I have to wait for Batman. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do, or I have to, I have to act and hope Batman gets here." Like I, I love in um, issue fourteen uh, in, in Troika, where like he jumps in to save Bullock and, and Bach from the KGBs, and he's like, "What's your plan? All I can do is wait for Batman." Like, and it shows a real maturation of the Batman and Robin team where he understands his limits and he's pushing situations where he has to kind of, you know, try to like, you know, go up against those limits. But like, you know, it was, such, it was such a smartly written dynamic because I remember as a kid thinking Batman's never in this book. Like he's hardly, he hardly <laughs> appears. And like after I collected more and more issues, he, he appears, but like it is, it is meant to be Tim's solo book generally. And also the Dixon was writing both of them in detective, but like, uh, yeah. I always thought it was very interesting how either you saw Batman and Robin together or you didn't in the old days or it's here. It's like you understand whether he, Batman's there or not. How does Tim as Robin operate? Yeah, and it was so it was so bizarre in like 92, 93 coming out of Nightfall going, how in the world is the how is Robin going to sustain his own book without Batman around? And the first thing you do is not have Bruce Wayne be Batman, and you go, oh, clearly, I don't want to hang out with this guy. He's nuts. <laughs> and, and by the time Bruce comes back, you're already invested in Tim's solo appearance that you don't have to rely on Batman to come in and save the day. You get to watch Tim grow up and become his own person. But what he's with Batman, it's not like he knows his place, but Chuck knows the place of where Robin should be and has no problem giving Tim the answer that Batman may have not come to yet. You know, the interesting thing is, because I know that, like Dixon said, he was a fan of, you know, the classic Batman and Robin team. He didn't really write Batman and Robin like Bruce and Tim. They were really never at odds until, like, the very end of Dixon's run, which which was necessitated by, like, Bruce Wayne Fugitive. But, like, generally, it was... I mean, I don't know... I think Bruce and Tim have a very... uh, kind of like specific relationship that I think is best have kind of illustrated like you know when Bruce comes back from the dead in yeah. Red Robin but like um, that's after a lot of history has gone between them but like he obviously has his father some relationship with with uh, Dick and Jason but by the time he gets to Tim it's much more of a mentor mentee kind of like work relationship like Tim isn't necessarily relying on Bruce for you know, kind of personal noise. He kind of talks to Alfred and Dick about that. So mm. Bruce and Dick, Tim's relationship is interesting in seeing it sort of in the abstract. It's, it's a very professional relationship. And through the ups and downs of like the various back crossovers, do you get that sort of 
long game kind of growth into a type of father-son relationship that kind of, you know, necessitates itself once he adopts him, which I just now remember it happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that adoption happens, like, right on the heels of Damien entering the picture. And I remember mm-hmm. when that happens, it's like, oh, he adopted Tim. That's This is going to be a whole new dynamic. Dynamic, And oh, by the way, I've got a son. I was going, what? <laughs> right, yeah. That, that's a whole tangent for, for, another, for another time. Future episode. <laughs> right. Um, I wanted to ask you about the costume that, you know, Robin, from what the average Joe, or my mother, as I like to say, is like, oh, he always wore those green short shorts. I... Wonder what your take on the costume. You know, we got to see Tim for the first time in you know the green short shorts. It was actually uh, Jason's costume. Would you have wanted Tim to that like that's the Robin costume? That's what he wears. Or are you glad like finally they they updated the costume that it it does not scream 1990s after the fact in the 2000s? Like you have Guy Gardner Warrior next to Tim Drake. <laughs> Tim looks very, you know, sane, <laughs> very sane. And you can put Kyle Rayner. I love Kyle Rayner's costume, but mm-hmm. there's enough aesthetic that you go, okay, that's a nineties character. So what'd you think about, uh, Tim's costume when you first saw it and, you know, does Tim escape the nineties or is there a nineties stigma that when you look at like Superboy and his jean jacket, you go, oh, that's 1990s. Does does the 90s still wear on that costume from Tim? That's such a question. Um, well, I mean, like I said, like, like I, it was such a, it was used in the animated series, so I never really saw it as like a product of its time. Um, it was just like, like, that's what Robin looks like. And, I, and of course, you know, I wasn't reading in the 1940s, so like, right. um, I mean, Robin's, Robin's classic Golden Age costume is probably the most familiar, but funnily enough, that's like secondary to me. Just because of my familiarity with the, with the animated show and the Robin comics, um, I mean it's my it's my favorite Robin costume. I think it's just perfect. I think that the only thing that probably defines it in terms of the era it was designed in is, are like the Ninja Toad boots, mm-hmm. which I think is a detail that's less realized as the years go on. Like, I don't really remember that being as noticeable later on, um, but I'm looking at the covers now and it's just no, it's a fantastic costume. It, all you really need to do. Was give him long long pants because yeah I am a very especially after the D fifty two and there's been a lot of Robin designs in the last decade I'm pretty um, strict you know because I have so much authority uh, <laughs> about Robin's look in that I'm pretty he has to look colorful and youthful because that do, he's the first sidekick that does define the character that certainly defined Dick Grayson's character I mean mm-hmm. I, you can add embellishes to the other ones I've, I've I'm, I am of the opinion that Dick Grayson, as Robin, needs to look colorful, which is why the New 52 Dick Grayson Robin costume just doesn't cut it for me right. at all. And I think if Jason wore the same costume and Tim had something different, it's a much more updated look. I think they like the black and, and gold cape work well. Like I, I actually like it when his cape is around him. He has, has like the long yeah. um, uh, collar and all that kind of stuff. But no, he looks great. And I think that like um, the detail of... Like uh, the stylized R, burst, yeah. you know, three dimensionally bursting out of like the 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 oval is great. Like 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 the limited number of um, uh, those yellow bands across his chest. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like 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 kind of the the bulkier belt and like the fact that the sleeves and the gloves 
are so tight that they kind of stick to his limbs as opposed to like kind of hang loosely like a kid. Like that, that kind of makes it less juvenile. I just think it's it's a brilliantly it's so simple yet it's so effective. And I think the only Robin costume since uh, that I think comes closest to like really getting across the idea of the character without kind of like breaking what the what the design needs is. Uh, Phil Barossa's design of Robin in the flashback of uh, the Judas Contract uh, oh, movie. Yeah, because if you remember that, like, like you see a flashback with like the original Titans and Dick Grayson, and that to me is a wonderful Robin. Design. Of course, he designed like five Robin suits by this time, but yeah. I, which I talked him about. But like, all you gotta do is give him long pants, it, but but basically keep the the bright yellow, red, and green color yeah. scheme, and then, and then that's identifiably Robin the Boy Wonder. So, but no, I don't. I never saw um, Tim's suit as a product of his time like like have you heard people say that like it's a very 90s costume no 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 i was just wondering like in with him having one foot still in the 80s and 89 i feel like if tim was created in night like right after nightfall let's say you know batman gets his back broken and at that moment tim becomes robin i think he is going to look more like asriel batman he's gonna have the pouches and the belts and all of this stuff, I think he just skirts right into the beginning of the 90s. So <laughs> since since he is a product of the 90s, it, so to say, you know, he's with, you know, Impulse and Superboy and, you know, Wonder Girl and all the crazy Young Justice costumes. And there's that classic Tim Drake costume. I just was wondering if some people automatically like where where people would fall with that. If you go, oh, no, that's clearly the 90s. Or is there something and not to sound cliche, but classic about it that like the animated series, you can look at that show and go, you really don't know what time frame that is because it has transcended the medium from where it is. I mean, that costume finally got to see screen time in Batman forever, regardless what you think of Chris O'Donnell. I remember sitting in the theater going, that's Tim's costume. And it looked at, at the time I'm going, it looks so cool. And I, I have an action figure that I was like, when Batman Returns came out, there's an action figure of the Tim Drake costume. I have I, that same action figure, yes. Same here. I'm, I'm looking at it right now going, it and it it works so well. And, you know, in 2000, you know, one or two or whatever, right before Tim, they retire that costume and he gets the one year later costume, that costume still worked, which that was a, a, a follow-up question I had for you. What did you think of the one year later costume, i.e. the Batman animated series, Tim Drake costume? <laughs> That's what Josh always says that like, they just ripped off the, the new <laughs> Batman adventures. Um, you know, it, it didn't actually occur to me in terms of my personal taste until it happened in the comics. I'm not a, you know, it, it looks too Halloween-y for me. Okay. Like it's too too warm. Um, I don't necessarily mind a different design. I think that, like it's it's actually an interesting thing to do. Um, but for Robin, I'm not a fan of like the spiked gauntlets or the or the scalloped cape because mm-hmm. that's always a very Batman like signifier. I know Batgirl has it, but like you know, it's kind of a bat motif, right? And I think for Robin, it's a little too intimidating, for lack of a better phrase. Um, I think the black the black uh, trunks look kind of cool, but like. Um, I don't know, and, and I, I, I don't hate the costume, but it has a lot of things I don't care for. It. I, I don't love the, the long um, red leggings. Um, I'm not a fan at all of any Robin suit where he has like, like, like long forearms. I think that, I, yeah, I, I actually kind of like Damon's costume, but like I think generally Robin needs sleeves. 
So, same here, same here. I want sleeves in green. I don't care if it's yes. a, a muted green that's, you know, in the sunlight it looks green, but in the dark it looks black, you know, that type of thing. But I want sleeves in green. I don't care where... I'm I'm okay where the green is if the green's an accent, but I think the red, yellow, and green, and then having the black was just a stroke of genius where you could say, like, why would Batman dress somebody in bright yellow and green to be a human target? Tim could finally, you know, like you said, drape the cape around him. He could be cloaked in black just as Batman could. Because I actually really like uh, Jason Todd's New 52 Robin costume. Oh, I I really, of all the New 52 costumes, I love Jason's New 52 design. Dick's was kind of like crazy. They didn't have to go crazy crackers with it. But Jason's, I thought, worked really well. It it still had, it had that Robin aesthetic and, you know, it's, some would draw it a little bit more like he was in a tin can, it looks like, at some Mm-hmm. Some kinds, but it still had that motif where you go, oh, that's Robin. It's it's an updated version of Tim's costume to some degree. I don't know how they go from Dick Grayson's like you know almost full armored kind of blackest suit to like Jason's fairly traditional suit just with the long pants. It's, it's a I don't know who was thinking about the transition there, but like Jason's suit with like you know more red uh, uh, accents, like a red mask. And stuff. I was like, you know, that's actually pretty pretty nifty. And I actually saw a Lego mm-hmm. design of that, like a Lego figure of that robin but like um again but kind of when we're going to get to the red costume for tim it's because because like i like i like change in comics to one extent or another i didn't hate it at the time but i i really didn't like um dig it because i thought it was, it, was, it was honestly it was too red um i didn't like the forearms although i guess it showed like you know an, an aging of tim drake mm-hmm. um but i guess ultimately like except for the cow i actually probably, probably preferred his red robin costume over like his actual like, like red robin series costume over uh the right. one year later suit but i don't hate the one year later suit i don't i want to stress i got you cool um so speaking of like the you know one year later and you know the new 52 and all that whole thing in, I feel like in the last five years or so, and probably even starting with the new Fifty Two, Tim Drake has kind of taken a backseat to other family members. Where, you know, there's a new Lego animated movie coming out, and you can see all the members everyone's of the back. Everyone's there, but Tim. Um, yeah. They're going to be doing Hush as an animated movie. And I know they're keeping it in the, you know, a new Fifty Two animated universe, but Tim Drake is going to be left out of that, and Damien's going to be in that role. Do you think there's a reason why Tim is – is it because of the New 52 that he – the Red Robin series was doing very well before the New 52 started. And then like once the New 52 hit, it was let's do something different for the sake of doing different. I think it did more harm to Tim. And I, I'm always scratching my head looking at stuff going, man, you know, even in Rebirth, Tim – you know, Tiny was using him. Then it's like, nope, we're going to pull him off the table for a while. And, mm-hmm. you know, now he's back in Young Justice. But I feel like any momentum that he had was halted there. So you think that is there a reason that Tim just kind of gets left off? And are we going to go further down the hole that people are going to go, hey, there was another Robin, you know? It's very welcome in the middle by this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I was I was really annoyed uh, when the Hush you know, promos are coming out and it's evident that there's any part of, I mean, I, I like those movies actually. I think they've gotten better yeah. since they started. Um, uh, so I understand it. So I can kind of like, you know, watch it and enjoy it, you know, without passion, so to speak. Uh, but I always thought that Hush was an incredibly simple story to adapt. It could do like a word for word, like, um, mm-hmm. like the way they adapted, like, uh, the Supergirl story from Batman Superman. Oh or, yeah. Yeah. 
or um, or Public Enemies or uh, Dark Knight Returns. Like those are pretty direct adaptations that they kind of left context at the door. So you could do the same thing with Hush. So it didn't necessitate changing so much for this continuity that they're doing. But I do get it because they want to kind of build those up. It's just that Hush is so simple to do that, like changing those things, like taking out not only Tim but Oracle, right? Feels it doesn't seem to serve anything. Um, And I mean, no, no, I should say that it only serves the continuity they're running with. And personally, for me, the continuity isn't worth sustaining for that story. So as a fan, I'm I feel half done. Um, I sympathize with the fact that, like, on the one hand. There's so many partners at this point that not they don't have to pick and choose, but they have to decide which ones have have the strongest sort of like uh, uh, character aspects to kind of make a short story about. Um, on the other hand, a lot of this is DC's own fault. Like I was talking to Tony, I was talking to Josh uh, on the phone the other day or the other week, just about the New Fifty Two and how why do they think they could cram uh, seventy five years of, of, of history and continuity into a six year timeline and try to <laughs> right. keep all the characters that everyone liked is like you can't do that. And I think that mindset lends itself to picking and choosing. Yeah. So you have, you know, the psychic made good, the first Robin, popular Robin, Dick Grayson, who I think it's fair to say is still the probably the most wide the globally recognized Robin. Right. Um and if you want Wrong to have a answer, bad, but right, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> uh, based off like the sixty show. Right. But like, if if you, um, you know, if you want to have a bad boy character, you can either have Damien, who's a brat, or Jason Todd, who's like you know, like 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 the black sheep of the family. Right. Um, Tim's generally recognized characteristics as the intelligent one or the normal one, which I kind of see him more as, uh, is less, uh, like for lack of a, for for a better term spicy than the other ones in comparison. So I get it, but I don't think that that equals, and for this reason, we can't include them in there. I mean, credit where credit's due. I actually thought it was incredibly cool and also really brave of Young Justice, the animated show, to just straight up do all the robs. Like, like, like they had Dick Grayson, they did a time skip, Jason Todd happened, they now have Tim Drake, and, um, you know, for those who've seen, like, the most recent season, they've implied... Uh, Damien Wayne, right, right. <laughs> so, and, and with all with all the other characters too, like Stephanie, Cassandra, and Oracle. So, like they're making it look easy. Well, and e- even in Young Justice, I think they're implying that Jason Todd is standing behind Rachel Ghoul in one scene. Yes, absolutely. So, so all of this masterful Batman history that all the fans love and are just constantly denied in the live action movies, we're seeing it done elsewhere. Um, the Lego movie is meant to... I mean, this this is another, like, like 60-minute, like, you know, kid cash wrap, so I'm not so much placing emphasis on that. Right. Um, I remember feeling half done in the early Damien movies because it was implied that, like, Dick was the only Robin. And it's like, okay. Um, because Under the Red Hood was such a popular Batman movie, so... And I understand in that story not doing Tim because Tim's actually not in that story much in the comics, and, and I guess it would be kind of a tangent. But... I don't believe there's ever been a Batman director video movie if you don't count Return of the Joker where Tim's actually in it. Um, and it's funny because he's the most popular Robin. I think I think it's fair to say. I think in terms of Robin, I mean, you can like Red Hood, you can like Nightwing, or you can even like um, Dick Grayson as Robin, but like Tim's definitely, I, w- I would say, in the top two running of, of generally agreed upon most popular, or, or at least people say the most, th- their favorite. So I yeah. think... 
a lot of the creators come from a different generation where they may under, they may like the character, but they, they don't see a lot of like story potential for him himself unless you just do a Robin story. But I think to do Tim's story, you would need to do the Lonely Place of Dying origin story. You can't just kind of pluck him in there right. because he does kind of feel like an outlier compared to the other like more eccentric characters. Even though he, I know he's also in like the um. They do iterations of him in like the, the, the other cartoon movies, like like Monsters Unlimited or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But aside from that, you know. Um, I, one other question I've got for you is, and I just totally lost my place, so this is going to be a, a total, <laughs> total edit. Oh, I got it. Three, two, one. Um, speaking of Tim, and obviously this is Tim's 30th anniversary, in the pages of Young Justice, I think issue seven, depending on when you hear this, it will already be out, but for us, it's not. Uh, they are going to give Tim a new code name in the pages of Young Justice, and they say oh. it's going to be Young Justice appropriate. So do you do you think that that should be the natural progression of like, okay, Tim's been Robin, and he's been a red Robin? Um, I've always thought, like, let's flip a script. Let Damien and John Kent be the ones that get to be the new character. Do you think it's time for Tim to become something else or or is is robin or red robin the the perfect embodiment for tim like where do you fall on that line well i feel he's already been something else in in terms of red robin um a name i never thought was very clever um (laughs) but you know it it served a purpose like i don't i don't i don't necessarily think black bat's the most clever name but i prefer to orphan so Mm -hmm. it serves a purpose um, but that identity was kind of strange. Like I don't, I like um, identities that 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 go after you know Nightwing, Red Hood, Red Robin. I think all those work. Um, so if Tim is going to abandon Red Robin, which wasn't even his in the beginning, it was it was like Dick Grayson's from Kingdom Come, then Jason Todd's. Right. So in fairness, he's not really had his own unique identity. I think that's fine, perfectly fine. Um, I don't. I, it's hard to do something that's kind of bird themed. And I think Red Hood is a, is a good enough outlier, so I hope it's a, it's, I hope it's a good name. Um, I, I'm I'm fine with it. I think um, I think it will hopefully match his character because I grew up under the uh, under estimation that eventually Tim would just you know have lead a normal life. He wouldn't be a hero forever, mm-hmm. and the Red Hood era was necessitated out of like the craziness of Batman R.I.P. and all that kind of stuff. So that made total sense. Um, ben just seems like a pretty big Tim Drake fan, so I hope he knows what he's. I think he knows what he's doing. I'd like to yeah. think he does, but. It's hard for me to um, to picture it because, you know, we've known Robin and Red Robin for so long. Introducing something new is hard to imagine without it feeling like some sort of cash grab or gratuitous or whatever. But there's no reason for me to like hate it. But what what are your thoughts on it? I'm I'm torn right in the middle. There's part of me that's like, I think Tim has been Robin for so long. It just it seems like natural. Like this this is what he knew. He was sub supposed to be doing even that you know tiny like you said that there were also parts of me that thought okay i'm gonna do this for as long as long as batman needs it till i could sustain you know this intelligence you know artificial intelligence that end up backfiring on him but there was that part that thought okay at some point he'll quit being robin but there was another part of me that would like to think you know my great-grandchildren someday are going to be continuing to still read the further adventures of tim drake as robin or red robin at some point but it might be cool. Like here we are at his 30th anniversary and it, it's, it's a whole new world for Tim. So 
like you said, is as long as the name's cool, my only prerequisites are let him still have a cape and a domino mask, and I'll <laughs> I'll roll with it. Maybe keep him red. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Keep keep the color scheme so he can like just. I mean, will he look out of place or just at home in the Batcave? Is, is is the most yeah. Thing. Yes, I I think you hit the nail on the head. It, standing next to Batman, will you go? Oh yeah, I still buy that. Or, or are you going to go? Man, that looks like Guy Gardner right there. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's interesting. Like like, like the Young Justice book is is I'm enjoying it. Um, but it's it's one of those things where it's like we've been burned so many times. Yeah, a lot of it is like. I'm digging this, but like I'm cautiously optimistic. Where is this going? Will the penny? Will the other shoe drop? Right. Um, well, how did you, how did you like his? I, th- I think his depiction of the Infinity Two is universally reviled, and I think Tinian, even even being as 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 uh, kind of politically correct, you know, working on DC, said that like the character lost something. So how did you take his sort of like redemption and or at least return and rebirth? Do you think that like it was generally positive? Do you think that like there was some things out of place because it's he seems to be in this sort of rebirth redemption trajectory so yeah. there's a lot of like kind of reclaiming the character so do you think that like like first like what did you think on, about him in rebirth and based off rebirth does that give you any hope or caution for what business will be doing it, it gives me hope um you know i've i read through all 33 issues of scott blah blah blahs um <laughs> <laughs> Won't say that last name. Uh, New Fifty Two run because some people are like, I can't believe you read through that whole thing. I'm like, if I don't read that, I'm not getting a chance to read Tim. And I know part of me is like, that's not being a good consumer. If the if the pizza is is bad, why am I still continuing to go to that pizza place and eat that crappy pizza? Mm. But I was just starved. Like, oh well, Snyder's writing, you know, Tim Drake in like two panels, and then he pops up in you know the the dark knight book for a little bit where i figure wherever that book was when there were like five bat books so he was really out of the bat books and if you too right? yeah it was just like really sporadic like one panel he was in like death of the family was his most in like some of the bat books but it was you know like he said it was like, very oh. individualized yeah and it in going through he his you know, middle name was now moved his first name. So his name could have been, you know, uh, Jackson, Timothy Drake or something like that. Or, or Drake was his middle. Name. I forget how they worded that. So I'm like, technically this isn't even really Tim Drake, but having tiny and put him back in, which I thought was really clever that, okay, we're not going to throw him in the new 52 costume, but we're not going to put him in the red in black costume that they made a purpose to put him in his Robin costume and kind of update it a little bit. And I I thought that was a good step. Like we are resetting Tim back to where he should be. They put the origin back in there. They got rid of the, you know, Oh, I tried to steal money from the penguin. And then, you know, I had to put my parents in witness protection program. So they kind of, it on some level said, okay, everything that we knew from the nineties and two thousand is, is reset. So some people were like, if he's red Robin, why is he in the red and green? And I'm like, you're, I think you're missing the point of what rebirth <laughs> <Who cares>? is. <laughs> yeah. It, it looks like Tim. It sounds like Tim, like the version of Tim Drake that a lot of us fell in love with is this version with some of his new 52 parts there, but seeing him in, 
uh, rebirth, excuse me, um, yeah, you know, rebirth in Young Justice, where he's dropped the red from his name and he is now a Robin. I thought, okay, if this is where we're finally centering on him, this might be a good launching point for okay, let's get him back to who he really is, and now we can jump forward from where he's going to go. So. Like you said, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. It's like I'm not trying to look down where I'm walking. I'm like, okay, Bendis, just don't don't burn me and don't burn us on this character. Yeah, I, I personally have a good track track, track record with Bendis. I, I like more than I dislike. And um, this, to be honest, this is the first Bendis, other than his Superman run, as the first uh, Brian Michael Bendis that I have ever read. So mm. he, I can hear some people say, oh, I don't like, he starts out really strong or he's very wordy. And I'm like, let him be wordy. Let's, uh, this is a, a very good, at least time for me as a Tim Drake fan, where I'm reading the books monthly and going, oh, it feels like Tim. It sounds like Tim. So speaking of feeling, feeling and sounding like Tim, this is a bit of a tangent. Um, so you feel free to cut this out. But like, um, when he did appear in, Young Justice, the animated series. I mean, first of all, were you watching up to that point? Because, like, when he first appeared, I had no idea that Tim was going to be a character at all in season two. So, like, what, no, neither did I. What are your thoughts on how they portrayed him in that show? I I liked it for the most part. I feel like okay, we got Tim Drake in in character and look and aesthetically wise. I'm like okay, in the context of the show. Dick was wearing the red and green, so they've got him in a quasi one year later outfit. I was cool with it. Um, he seemed very green in there, as this as if he's almost been Robin for a little bit. Um, I think his characterization got better and is better in season three, but we've really only seen him in two episodes. But I was shocked to see him in there, so I'm a, I'm, I'm lukewarm with it. It's not interesting. It, it's it's not great, but it's it's really good, if, if that makes sense. Okay, I actually really enjoy it. I mean, I grew up in the anime series, so I, I really I really like uh, um, you know their version of Tim, even though he is definitely a hybrid of, of Tim and Jason Todd. I think there are episodes. I think there are times where he, he's more like Tim. And there's episodes where he's more like Jason. But in Young Justice, I think there's I see a very clear Chuck Dixon Tim Drake influence. Yes, I I, I will I will take that back a little bit. Um, there, I, I guess I wanted more of like as much as we got of Dick Grayson to kind of see his growth as Robin. I felt like there were moments that they were onto something. I, I wanted to see a little bit more, but there were so many characters that they were cramming in that I felt we started losing Tim towards the tail end of the of the. Yeah, season. he's not he's not as highlight he's not as spotlighted as as Dick was. Yeah, but I I will I will agree with that. I, I did hear a lot of Chuck Dixon. Uh, coming from the the Tim Drake character. And it is probably other than, like you said, those animal instinct movies, it's and mystery of the Batwoman. It's really the only Tim Drake animated thing that we've ever gotten. And it's, it is really close to being uh, who he is. Yeah. Cause like uh, that first episode, um, his sort of like, uns- you know, unsure of himself, whatever that felt kind of like very like, like early Chuck Dixon, Tim Drake. Mm-hmm. And, um, this is back and forth with Dick. Period. Like, as obviously, I like and I like how they do this subtly in the Justice. How like they're not the back characters aren't necessarily free with their identities unless the other characters know on their own. So he's talking to Nightwing as Dick and Tim, not as Nightwing and Robin. And even Tim, like like that the whole banter about you know, oh Tim, you're gonna be running Gamma. You know, you know this is the perfect time for you to get your feet wet. Mm-hmm. Is it are we stretched thin? You have no choice, or is it's just Gamma? So you're not worried about whatever. So so Tim 
is analytical, even if he's still not sure about it, about himself. And like later on in the impulse episode, there's that back and forth between, you know, uh, tagging impulse with like a track or whatever. Like yeah, that was cool. Which is written by Peter Davis. So who, who knows Tim Drake? But like, I the the comic book character Tim Drake that, that I've always read, I feel granted he's not a very main character in the show, but when we get moments from him, he does feel. Um, he, he he does feel like he's he, he feels like like a, a proper adaptation of the character, personally. Yeah, you're really swaying me now. Not that not that I hated it before, but I think I think just because maybe my Tim Drake goggles were on, I was wanting so much like, oh, I'm going to get Tim Drake just like we got in you know the first season of Young Justice. So I think I was pulled out of it a little bit, going, oh, I got to wait a couple episodes, then you get some more. Uh, this. Uh, season three, even his two small episodes where he's running with uh, uh, Cassandra, which I wanted to ask you about that. What was it like seeing an animated version of Cassandra Kane on screen with Spoiler, Arrowette, and uh, Tim Drake? I thought that that whole scene with um, Clayface was, was pretty cool, but I thought, I wonder what Donovan thinks of seeing <laughs> Orphan on screen for the first time. I think I saw a glimpse of her in like one of the trailers, and I was like, is that? No, it can't be. <laughs> Um, and like I love that this those three characters, those three fan favorite characters together. Yeah. And like I feel that like with Greg Wiseman and and his crew, I can just absolutely trust them because I very much enjoyed it. Um, and uh, I'm always I, I I have heart attacks whenever like Cassandra's in anything because like she has a history of being done wrong. But like I thought uh-huh. I thought she, I thought she was doing great. And I like seeing like Tim and Spoiler together. I, I mean, it's very kind of like squint. And see, kind of like you know, implicit. But it seems as though Tim has like left Cassie Sandsmark for Stephanie Brown. Yeah, I, I, think hope, so. I hope we see more of that. <laughs> right. I want to. I want to see a love triangle. I thought that was cool at the end of uh, Young Justice season two. That after you know Bart is is gone and you know uh, kind of vaporized in the Speed Force, that you know you see Cassie and uh, Tim like starting up a you know a romance. I thought, well, that's. That's kind of cool, and you know that even played into a little bit of Jeff Johns' Teen Titans run, where they were trying to get together over the loss of Superboy, and it yes. it, it felt wrong. I thought that that was a great callback. So you're making me really want to watch season two now and rethink my <laughs> rethink my answer. <laughs> one of my favorite uh, scenes is in, and, and it's Peter Davis, so he's a final on cylinders. But yeah. like when Impulse is saying how much he knows, he's like, you know, that's a very dick. Grayson thing to do. I know all your names. Dick Grayson, Tim Drake, Gar, Gar Logan, and Beast Boy's like, your name's Tim, and yours is Dick? <laughs> yeah. And I always thought that was cool, too, that you know Bruce did not want Tim to tell anybody, like, don't tell anybody who you are. Like, it, that ran for a while that no one knew who Robin was. Even, like, his closest friends did not know uh, his identity until you know he eventually ended up you know breaking that. Yeah, whenever you saw like Tim out of the costume in the shades, I just imagined that he told everybody his name was Alvin Draper. <laughs> I love that. I, I, you know, I always thought that was really cool that Dixon gave him a Matches Malone name, like he had Alvin Draper to to kind yes. of fall back on. Awesome. Well, dude, this has been awesome. This this really makes me regret not having you on the show, and I'm going to make sure that we uh, will rectify that. I don't want to wait another hundred episodes. Um, <laughs> it's been a pleasure talking to you, and it was really cool to get a chance to actually shake your hand uh, last month. Uh, why don't you plug some stuff? Where can people find you? Where can they read your stuff? And uh, you've got a really cool podcast. If you want to uh, tell the good folks at home all about it, 
Well, I, thank, th- I, I agree. Thank, thank you very much for having me. This is a lot of fun, and I'd love to come back for whatever reason. Um, unless it's to talk about that new 52 Teen Titans stuff. It's actually not right that. Um, but I, I won't. I won't torture you. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, well, like, well, like you mentioned before, um, I did do a, se- a spotlight series on Tim Drake that I mean to finish. I have, I, I have outlines of. It's meant to be a five-part series, and I've. Uh, I did four, so it's meant to be like like two more parts. Okay, we're bringing it to six. So like, I'm been meaning to get back to that. It's just been a matter of time. It actually, I remember the last two parts me taking a long time just to kind of reread everything and get all my facts straight. But I do have a spotlight series called "Why We Love the Drake Kaching." Um, <laughs> well played, sir. <laughs> <laughs> spotlight on everyone's fan favorite Robin. Uh, there are four parts you can find on the BatmanUniverse.net, as well as other articles I've written on you know various. Uh, ideas, editorials, and I've also have reviews here or there. I used to review Batgirl during the Burnside era. I've done I've headed up a lot of the commentaries and I'm infrequently on Batgirl to Oracle. Generally every um uh February and December, definitely every December, um I was replaced by Chuck Dixon this year. Uh, <laughs> that, that that's the only person that Stella can replace anybody with. I remember getting that episode like, oh it's a Chuck Dixon episode. Wait a minute. Isn't Donovan supposed to be on this? <laughs> I was thinking, oh, she had you on with him. And I started listening to the show. I'm like, nope, Donovan's not there. <laughs> <laughs> she texted me and says, like, would you mind if, if I didn't have you on this year? And I was like, this better be good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- that's my um, Batman universe-related work, which I, I very much still enjoy uh, working on this website. I have a main show, which is a lot um, less fun. No, no, it's fun. But like, um, it's more serious-minded. Uh, oh, yeah. Questions We Don't Have Answers is a show I do with my co-host Harrison Shute. It's generally weekly. I mean, every now, you know, I, I actually we actually took like about two or three weeks off uh, for the Batman conference. But um, generally, we have over 100 episodes there on KetoAnswers.com. Uh, it's a social political podcast where we tend to talk about uh, social issues and issues of like uh, the country and community. But we're both nerds, so we kind of come from it from a geek perspective. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a comic guy, so I, I tend to bring up comic books. Um, he's a sci-fi guy, so he tends to bring up sci-fi stuff. And we have a number of episodes that um, either implicitly or directly relate to comic books. Like, we, like we, uh, last week we did an episode about um, what are the needs of an adaptation. So I mentioned comic book uh, movie adaptations, video game adaptations. Um, we kind of talked about Sonic the Hedgehog a little bit. Um, <laughs> but we also did an episode, which I really enjoy, about... Um, if superheroes were real, would the world be a better place? Um, are, 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 should superhero comic books only be meant for kids? We, we talked about Alan Moore there. Um, we talked about, you know, uh, tropes and storytelling, um, violence, uh, romantic tropes, as well as stuff about politics and um, various other things. So if you're interested in that, um, we're very opinionated, we're very biased, but we also we, we consistently... Uh, invite other discussions and even people on the show just to just to voice their dissent because we find that conversation is the most important thing rather than kind of um, uh, pontificating. Right. Uh, so QNoAnswers.com uh, is the website for that show. And uh, once again, thank you very much for having me on this show. Yeah, thanks a lot, sir. All right, that's going to do it for our first Everyone Loves the Drake episode. So on the behalf of Terrence and our very special guest, Donovan Morgan Grant, this is Rob, and you've been listening to the Batman Universe. And more importantly, you've been listening to Robin. Everyone Loves the Drake. We'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Bye.
Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguin's lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because... There are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at Robin ELTD Podcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media, also over at our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. Take care.